Hi, I'm Kasfi Malik and this is Audacity, Women in Sport. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating and learning from the audacious bold women who are creating an impact in their respective sports. So what makes these women audacious? By simply choosing to pursue a career in sport, they've gone against the grain and fought gender stereotypes to pave the way for a brighter future for girls in the world of sport. Whether that's as athletes on the field or from the sidelines as coaches, mentors or decision makers. Our guest today is Shwetambari Shetty, the head fitness expert at CureFit India. CureFit is a health and fitness company that owns India's largest fitness chain, CultFit. Cult has established nearly 250 centers across the country since its inception only 4 years ago. Shwe and I met in 2015 back before CureFit when she was conducting weekly workouts in my office. I weighed about 20 kilos more back then and Shwe would push me further every single week. She was a big part of my inspiration to embark on my fitness journey because I remember just being so in awe of this woman who was brimming with energy and motivation. I wanted to be just like her. Shwe embodies all the best aspects of sport: discipline, drive, and resilience. And she has the credentials to prove it. She was one of India's first Zumba fitness master trainers, a Nike certified trainer, and earned the title of the third fittest woman in the Indian CrossFit Open Games in 2017. Today, we'll hear how Shwe built a career in fitness, what it was like juggling her personal and professional life as an Indian woman, and how she is creating job opportunities for women who are struggling to earn money from their respective sports. Shwe Welcome to Audacity Women in Sport. I am so excited to have you here today and to share your story with the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm super excited and I must say this right at the beginning that you my dear Kasvi you're an inspiration. Like I can't even believe what I recently saw on Instagram when I, you know, came across your profile which is probably a year or more than that ago. and i'm like this is not the kasvi i knew oh my god i i remember in the office when i would come for taking those classes i would probably have to chase you sometimes to get to the workout field and look you at you you are an inspiration truly truly i love what you've done with yourself for yourself and all of that it is so beautiful thank you so much but this episode is about sharing your story so i want to focus on you tell me about how you started your journey with fitness honestly think it was a happy accident uh i'm i was you know supposed to be either an engineer or a doctor a typical middle class indian family right and um while i studied you know to of course end up becoming a banker because i didn't think i was i had it in me to study enough to be an engineer or a doctor uh, which most of my family members are uh, and then when i finished my you know uh, business management and all of that uh, i got into the bank you know because i was quite good at accountancy and economics and all of that so i got into the bank and my dad was quite happy that okay she's following my footsteps sort of a thing 
Uh, and it went on, you know, for like seven years. That's exactly uh, every life went on as per the plan. Uh, I got a job. You know, I was going to be probably married a lot sooner than I actually did because that was uh, what was typically planned for me by my parents. And I was, of course, going to have an arranged marriage, kids at the right age, which is probably 27, 28, 29. Uh, but one thing that happened differently, uh, which was obviously not a part of the plan, was this switch in my career. Uh, from banking to fitness, right? And I, even today, don't know why I really took that up. But my sister came to me and she said, hey, you know, Zella is this very fancy luxury health club that's opening. And you should probably look at, you know, joining because they're looking for somebody very senior to manage the entire club operations. So it was in the space of managing people and all of that, which I was also doing in HSBC when I worked, uh, where I worked for seven years. So I said, let me give this a shot because I'm not losing anything. Uh, I, I still have, you know, a good salary that's going to come in. I know where my life is headed, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I, I did join. Uh, I quit my seven-year comfortable stint, uh, joined um, uh, the Zella Health Club. And I was quite amazed with what was happening, right? I mean, it was this was what, in 2009, 2010, and fitness was very new in Bangalore, in India. And to see how fancy the place was, the kind of people that came in to exercise and to work out was very interesting. So I kind of, you know, uh, got carried away with that. I, I did some courses. Uh, I got really a little bit deeper into it and I started enjoying it. And I think I started enjoying it also because there was this athlete in me back in school, uh, which you know, never really came out because my parents and my family didn't think there was uh, any sort of career for anyone who wants to, you know, be a part of sport or fitness or all of that, right? So it was just pushed away. Uh, but yeah, I took a lot of interest. I did some courses and it was when I was in Zella that I even did my Zumba fitness uh, license certification, all of that. So that happened. And then that same year in 2010, I also got married. And funnily enough, I ended up getting married to, you know, someone who's not even from, uh, you know, the same caste and all of that, which my parents were very particular about until then. And the work stress got on so much that I ended up quitting that job, although I loved it because I was so close to, you know, getting married and I couldn't find any time. So I said, you know what, forget everything. Let me just focus on this marriage. So I quit. I took a break for about three months. And in those three months, I was figuring out what should I do next, right? And that's when the Zumba certification came in handy. And I said, you know what? You know, my husband's like, you should just go try out teaching. You know, you never know what it would mean for you. So I did try, you know, I did a whole lot of uh, practice, whatever, on my own, using all the material I had during my course, um, there was this really good person who gave me an opportunity at her Pilates studio for me to go and teach uh, Zumba. And that's how it all started. My first class had one student, and which was really crazy. But after that, it didn't stop. Like that, that was like the beginning of a new life altogether, which was never in my plan of, you know, life as such. I love this job because I'm changing people's lives. 
right? And that was probably the only reason I took to fitness so strongly because soon after a class, you know, when you have your members telling you, thank you, and they have this broad smile. And then the next thing you know, you've, you know, they've trained with you for months, for years, and you've managed to really transform them. You're like, yeah, I mean, they, they, they respect you. They idolize you. They love you. I said, this is it. This is what I was born for. And there was no looking back from there. You know, then I met somebody, Sudeep Kulkarni. We started the Tribe Fitness Club. And I think there on, you know, Tribe happened, Nike happened, and then Kyofit came one day and, you know, decided to acquire us, which worked in my favor, of course. And post the acquisition, the, the dream was obviously not limited to Bangalore, where we all where it all started. It was about, you know, going to the masses, which is across the country. It was about making fitness more accessible, uh, making it more affordable and available, right? And that's what Cult wanted to do. And that's what we ended up doing. Um, here we are. We have like 250 centers today. Uh, yeah, a little less than that, maybe, because post the COVID situation, we've had to like uh, cut down some centers and stuff. But yeah, that's how it started. So when you decided to shift from your banking career to creating a career in fitness, did you face any kind of backlash or resistance from your family about that decision? Yes, of course. And I think when I started, which was around between 2010 and 11, right? Like almost 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, everything was very new, you know, uh, fitness itself for it was not a household thing, right? It wasn't a habit. It was still a luxury in India. And I actually still think it's partially a luxury in India. It's not become a necessity even today, right? Uh, telling your family that you want to be a trainer, a fitness trainer was by itself like, what? Like, and that to a woman. For a man itself, it was not a go-to profession, and then for a woman, it was probably worse. And in my family, you know, I come from Kundapur, which is a small, uh, like a village, you know, somewhere further down from Mangalore and all of that. It's, it's probably unheard of. But and then for us, it life was very planned, like I said, right? Studies, marriage, kids, everything is in that order. So a lot of my family members were like, what is it? Like, what are you even trying to do? And it was harder because I, when I wanted to build tribe, we had to manage funds, right? And it was, it was not a small, small dream. It was slightly large, which involved more money. And I obviously didn't have such large plans where, you know, you'd invest like a, a crores of rupees to build something. But my business partner, Sudeep, when he came to me with the plan, he, he did say that, you know, why not? Why do a small niche studio instead? Let's do something slightly bigger, but something so different that blows everyone's mind away, which is group fitness, you know, no machines, no, uh, only just some equipments and every fitness class is a group class, which really makes everything super fun and people look forward to coming. So while I was completely sold with the idea, I can't go to my parents for money because they'd be like, what is this sort of a thing? But then if I wasn't married at that point, I don't know if I would have had the guts or the money to make this bold decision. 
but because i was married and you know my husband said just one thing that you know it's a risk you are taking you don't know if the product's going to be successful or not but if you don't do it someone else does it 2 years from now and you're going to be like that was something that i thought of and you know i i i didn't have the guts to do it so it's like you might as well just use what money you have and go all out work really hard and do what you can worst case it you know it doesn't pick up then you just go back to your corporate life and you know you 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 repay your loans and if you have that confidence in yourself that you can handle these losses then you go for it right so i think that's all i needed to hear so what i did was i sold my only house that i had uh, i had managed to buy at the age of 24 or 23 when i was working at hsbc and this was thanks to my father of course he helped me save up and you know so i i sold that home to adjust those funds for tribe and then of course all the partners put in the required funds and then we took a bank loan and taking a bank loan for us was fairly easy because uh my partner's parents worked in that bank and we got some collateral free loan and stuff while all this happened my entire family was like are you crazy like are you stupid <laughs> are you sure like why would you do this when you have the most amazing job you can go back to corporate life you were earning good money why do you want to put your life through this when now is the time for you to make babies right uh, which is fair from their perspective but then i was like no i i see something you know something very positive for the future and i really don't want to be regretting it at a later point so i just went ahead and did it and like i said if it if it wasn't for my husband i don't think it would happen because my parents wouldn't probably have supported this at that point so there was a lot of lot of you know uh, backlash from the family saying you should not and i think the only person who stood by the whole idea was uh my husband vivek and we got the money we built it and we really worked hard like it was a little bit of a fight with my family they were they were not happy about the fact that i sold my house i spent a lot of money you know 2.5 to 3 crores between loan and all our contribution and i completely pushed you know the thought of baby away so everything was not in my favor but i think if you have one person it could be a friend it could be family supporting you anything is possible it sounds like you were one of the first women at least in bangalore if not india to have made this transition into the fitness profession and make a career out of it what was that journey like and did you have a network of other female trainers that you could speak to about this in this wuzuma space we were just a handful of us and i swear i say handful i mean like maybe about 3 or 5 of us which is what worked in my favor by the way because if i was just another trainer in a gym then i think it would have been a lot harder because you know the number of male trainers in a gym are way you know over the women so i think that would have been harder but being in a niche fitness format which is like i said zumba was very niche in 2011 we were just very few of us in the entire country i think that gave me the edge right that's where i was actually lucky and people 
started reaching out to me because there was nobody else to reach out to. There were no other trainers. There were no male trainers. There was no one dominating the industry in 2011 when it came to Zumba. And that, and it happened to me at the right time. I was in the first batch of training that happened in the country, right? Which is why, you know, there were such limited people. And, you know, I think I just made use of that time, that period and that opportunity. And I went all out. Like I did not say no to any work that came my way. Uh, whether it paid me zero or paid me some money, I would just say, yeah, you know, I have the time. So I'll just come and do it for you. And that worked very well in my favor. So from people around me, I, I don't think I faced any challenges, except my family not being very supportive about it. I don't think I had any other challenges outside, you know, in the industry because I was, I had started a very, something very niche, right? Yeah, but now today, of course, the competition is fierce. But 10 years ago, uh, because of the fact that it was started with Zumba, it actually worked in my favor. So what does the current fitness landscape look like in India? Just to take a step back, right? Like we are a country of what? 1.33, yeah, 1.36 billion, right? Population. And yeah, billion, right? Today, uh, as per stats, uh, we have about 1.1 or some close to 2 million active fitness users. We're still in, in, in the million range of active users who are willing to spend, you know, like say uh, $250, $300 annually on their fitness and wellness. So that's still a very small, like we've literally just scratched the surface. It's still only a certain uh, kind of people that we have been able to activate to make fitness a lifestyle, right? It's, it's we're, we're really far away from, you know, getting the masses to actually work out. But then if I compare it to like maybe three years ago to now, three or four years ago to now, uh, I think there is a phenomenal change and they say that by 2023, I mean, today we're like, I think the market size is about uh, $2 billion, right? In 2023, they're expecting the market size of fitness to become like $6 billion, right? So there is no stagnation in the industry. There is no stepping back. There is only moving forward from here on for the fitness space. And this, I can tell you, not only in such big numbers, but also comparing 2011, what we were all, uh, you know, charging and earning to today, what we're capable of charging, you know, as a membership and what we all are capable of earning as fitness instructors. Huge difference, right? So the, the fitness industry is here to just progress and not obviously move backward at any point, irrespective of, of course, the COVID situation and all of that is, of course, hopefully temporary. It has impacted all of us, but it is here to keep moving forward. And I personally think fitness is still a luxury in India, right? We still have many, many households that do not exercise, Forget exercise twice a week or thrice, thrice a week. They do not engage in any physical activity, right? 
which is definitely not a good sign because we're talking about the need of the hour today is fitness because of the lifestyles we all lead, right? We have a sedentary lifestyle. Now, if I go back to the way my parents lived, forget grandparents, just my parents, right? When I look at them, they've always had an active lifestyle despite having a slightly desk job also. They walked a lot. They did a lot of household chores, all of that. And this is what I keep talking about to the generation today that we don't have a physically active life in our households because we have so much help around and we don't have it outside because, you know, we're sitting in fancy offices, we're driving fancy cars, whatever. So where is the outlet for everything that you are, you know, taking in and for all that laziness, where is the outlet? And the outlet is only through movement and exercise, right? So we're far away from making fitness a lifestyle, like we will not compromise on all the kind of food, any other lifestyle requirement, but we will compromise on fitness and we will always say, oh my God, it's so expensive. You know, why should I pay 2000 bucks per month? Or why should I pay 3000 bucks? So the challenge will always be to find, to actually make people believe that this is not something that you negotiate with. This is something that you just say, if I'm having my three meals a day, I also need to exercise, right? If I'm brushing, bathing and doing everything else, I also need to exercise. I think that will be our point of, you know, success. And that's, that to me looks like a probably a 10 year journey from now, but it's only going to get better every year. It's only going to improve every year. The, uh, earning capacity is going to get better for the people in the fitness industry every year. The career opportunities for people in the field of sports and, you know, fitness is only going to get better every year. Like, I'll just give you an example of cult, right? Uh, in cult, we have a format called dance, fit, uh, sorry, uh, boxing. Okay. Boxing made really simple for a great cardio workout. All right. Every single trainer that trains in boxing format at cult was a real life athlete, right? Was a boxer who actually competed in the ring at least once in his lifetime, right? We don't have any boxing trainer who's actually not a boxer, but then got trained to be a boxing trainer. No, right? Everyone is from authentic boxing background. And they're young, you know, they're all like 26, 27, 28, some as young as 24, some as old as 31, 32. You can ask me, why are these people not pursuing their sport and instead choose to come and work as a boxing trainer? And the reason is that boxing as a sport doesn't have a future. And you know that, right? Most sports, I mean, except probably cricket or something else does not have a future. So what do these kids do? Like they come from these, you know, households which can only afford that much. Then they pursue a sport because their families have been pursuing boxing. And then they reach a certain level. They play a few uh, matches. They go to national level. Some make it to the international level. But that is the end. You know, like mid-20s and late-20s, their career is over. And then they have to sustain, right? So they now that category of people appreciate 
the fact that you have so much job opportunity created through fitness the most, right? So it's only going to get better from here. And the career opportunity for people like us is going to be bigger and better each year. And then I think at some point, just like IT and everything else, the career opportunity here also may come to a standstill. But we have a long way to go. And this industry has a lot of money to offer. Right. You mentioned that fitness is a luxury for most Indians. It's not a priority. Um, So how do we make fitness and sport more accessible and affordable to the masses and particularly more so for women? have different types of career opportunities right that's that's the truth it has opened up and you'll see more and more women entrepreneurs today and you know not just doing a corporate job uh people you know despite having to do their household chores or uh, having babies are still very actively working and you know supporting the family and all of that so i think if you um Look at it from a very broad perspective. The number of women trainers today are actually increasing. And the members out there or the participants actually find it very comfortable to work out with women trainers more than men. Right. So if and I can, you know, see that even at cult, right? Like when you have um, X number of women trainers and X number of male trainers, the women trainers, obviously, the, the utilization is extremely high, right? Like people actually keep coming back to their classes over and over again. Their slots get sold out so much faster. And it's not anymore about, oh, because that trainer looks so fit and so, you know, uh, well-toned and well-built, I need to go to him. I think it's about... In this industry, it's about how patient you are and how you can carry a person from the way they have come to what they actually want to become. And I mean, with no offense, of course, but you know that women do have a lot more patience and all of those characteristics are definitely slightly different from, you know, a man, right? So... Even in this industry, when you're dealing with clients, when you're dealing with members, you do need a lot of patience and a lot of, you know, listening power and all that. And women are able to give that to the participants who come to them for group training, personal training, the warmth, the affection, uh, the extra time, you know, talking to the member and, you know, making them feel good about what they're doing. Uh, being very motivating and inspiring about what could be their future if they actually follow through this plan that they have given. So when you look at all of that, the women are definitely able to do it a lot differently than the men, right? So I have seen a lot of women who come from HR background, IT background, housewives change their lives. And it could be just like me, right? We, we've we had zero idea. Why did I not do science in my college? Because I thought it was too complex. But today, when I have to do my fitness certifications and courses, 
I I had to go back to science. I didn't have a choice. I had to learn the anatomy and learn all of that, right? You know, the movement, kinesiology and all of this. So, so, but I'm loving it and that's why I don't mind putting the time aside. So women are coming from different backgrounds at, like I started my fitness journey at age 30, right? And who would have thought of changing lives at age 30, right? But people are today. 10 years ago, maybe not, but today, you know, women have a lot of opportunities in this space. Uh, members actually want more women trainers. So not only are we heading into, you know, the the, the right path with fitness in this country, uh, but also huge career opportunity for women particularly. And like I said about the boxers earlier, we have so many women boxers who actually train with us and it's phenomenal women boxers and women football players, right? Because even football, you know how it is in this country. And we do have a lot of women who play football and rugby who have a very, very, very short career in that sport. So they want to pursue it in some sort of sport and fitness. And cult has given them that platform to be a trainer, to be more than a trainer, to grow from a trainer, to becoming a mentor and things like that. So yes, so I think if we have more places come up like cult or if cult just keeps expanding, uh, there is a lot of career opportunity. And what I also see now the switch happening is with offline to online, right? I see a lot of people go into online training and it's the need of the hour, of course, in 2020. But even with the situation going off, I think online training is here to stay. And a lot of people especially women I see are being sought after for online training, right? Like even at cult, we see a lot of women trainers classes getting picked up so much faster than, uh, than the other male trainers. Right. So I think the career has very strong opportunities for women. What kind of a male to female split do you see at cult amongst your trainers and the members? So members Ours is quite like equally split. Like we have 50-50 men and women, right? Uh, whether it's a particular class or if you look at the entire split in cult, it's pretty much like 50-50, a little, you know, up and down. But amongst the trainers, I think we have today about 35% is women and 60% something is male. But that's the diversity that has changed, that has changed in the last three years when we started cult the women trainers i think were about 15 percent right this was into when we started uh Kyofit in 2016 it was about 15 percent or less and then we took it upon ourselves to make that diversity a lot better so year one we hit 20 percent then we pushed it to 25 percent so it's only getting better because now the existing women trainers are, of course, motivating their peers and their family members to get into it. So I think today we're about 35% women and the rest of them are men trainers. And we really want to bring it to a 50-50 level. I found it so interesting that you mentioned that you have actual athletes who are instructors now at CultFit because I didn't realize that that was one of the pools that you were recruiting from. Although now that I think about it, it makes complete sense. But can you tell me a little bit more about that? 
So we have rugby players, we have football players, we have boxers, all of them coming from their sport, moving to becoming fitness trainers. Uh, and then we have a huge, huge, huge number of uh, the dance fraternity, right? Now, no one looks at, you know, the number of dancers that this country actually has, right? We have, we have huge, huge, huge number of talented dancers who keep, you know, going into these shows that keep happening on TV, right? These competitions and all of that. But in the end, even there, a small group of people actually make it, right? So we've actually given the dance fraternity, the dancers, a stage, a platform to start earning regular income and to continuing, you know, continue pursuing what they really love doing, which is dance, right? So our dance fitness trainers, you know, teach about two, three classes a day. It's physically very exhausting, but they love their job, you know, and none of these dancers actually have steady income. They have some shows here, some, you know, small movie thing here, some competition somewhere else, but it's all, it's not a recurring thing, right? But today they have, they have a company that they're working for. They get a salary, they get a provident fund, they get medical insurance. And it's amazing how they all are actually comfortable. You know, they don't not only support themselves, but they're able to support their families, you know? So it's very beautiful to see that the kind of people that we have onboarded and made this big community at Cult come from different walks of life. In fact, I will share with you some profiles, you know, later on. We have some trainers, Kasvi, who are, who are coolies, you know, who are coolies by the railway station, right? Who had, yeah, who didn't have, who could afford like just one meal a day. And when they didn't work, they went to play because they loved sports so much, right? And then through different NGOs and other ways of recruitment, we've actually found these gems, right? And then we brought them all together. We've trained them on language. We've trained them on, you know, grooming and hygiene and everything one needs to know and have to be a great trainer, right? So they all, like a lot of them have learned from scratch. We do have people who've had fancy marketing jobs and HR jobs who, you know, become fitness traders, but it was a lot easier for that group of people because they already knew how to speak good English. They knew how to conduct themselves. And then we have this group of people who don't know anything apart from their sport. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to, you know, speak to people, nothing, right? They only know how to play their sport and to change their lives was something else. And and I think that's what we all take pride in and we feel so good about because so many like our training fraternity uh, is probably as big as trainers and managers are about 3,000, 3,500 people working together. And we have people wow. from all walks of life doing one job that is training and changing people's lives. So one of the biggest reasons that I'm such an advocate for sport is because I think that the confidence that sport gives you is unparalleled. Um, you know, every day you challenge yourself a little further than you did the day before. Uh, you conquer something difficult every single day as an athlete, at whatever level that might be. And I think you can go to bed 
with so much satisfaction knowing that you did something hard today that you couldn't do yesterday. And that incremental change over time just builds such incredible confidence. And one day you wake up and you're like, you feel like a whole new person because of this confidence you've built over time through sport. Exactly. I think you've, uh, you, you really got that one word, right? Confidence. Women have actually come to me and told me in my face that incorporating a sport or a fitness for, you know, like permanently into their lives has really changed them. Uh, like I said, not physically, but mentally, they've become so much more confident in everything they do, whether it's in their professional life, you know, the way they behave in their professional life or their personal life, just the way they carry themselves, they have changed, you know, for the better. They, they find that confidence, which they probably hadn't seen ever before. Right. I mean, it's not just people telling me, but I've seen, you know, women go through that transformation of walking into a class a certain way and then their journey over two, three, six months of training. And what is the end product like? Right. The end product is not there just to see, but you can you can feel it. You can feel it from the person. It's amazing. Yeah, I think every human being must, you know, play some sort of a sport or must have a fitness activity, like a go-to. It could be running, it could be cycling, it could be anything, right? It could be anything that makes you happy. But yeah, I think it brings out the best in every human. What was one piece of advice that you wish someone had given you when you were starting out on your journey with fitness? I wish someone had actually told me that, you know, you can actually get pregnant and do every goddamn thing as is and not have to worry about taking a break. Because Kasvi, today, I have spent the last nine months of my pregnancy doing pretty much everything that I have done on a normal day when, you know, when I was not pregnant, right? And 10 years ago, nobody would give you this kind of advice because everybody would tell you, that if you're pregnant, you stop all your physical activity. And, you know, honestly, at that point, I wasn't in a state to stop my physical activity because that was what was creating the brand and, you know, helping me build my career, all of that, right? So then I had to really choose. But then today when I look back, I'm like, dude, like I could have done every goddamn thing physically and mentally, like, why did nobody tell me about this? I love that. And I think what you said about, you know, that you could have been pregnant and still have done it all. I think for me, that really strikes a chord because, I mean, right now in, in my phase of life and career, like, it seems like I have to pick one. Like, either I want to have a great personal life and a family or I want to be ambitious and go after my career goals. And, you know, it's like either or. There's barely any, um, I would say there are very few role models I see who are like, who have managed to do both because I think largely at least Indian culture tells you that you have to pick one. Exactly. Exactly. It, it is the culture. That is the problem, right? It is the culture because my family expected me to now sit back. Of course, COVID happened and everybody's working from home. So my parents were very happy about it, but otherwise they were very worried about the fact that I would have to go to office every day and come back. I mean, desk job is still one thing, right? Like we are, 
we are okay to do desk jobs as pregnant women. A lot of women have been doing it. But being physically active is unheard of. Like even today, Kasvi, when I put up my workouts, you know, during my pregnancy, it it bothers a lot of people, right? It bothers a lot of people and not my doctor, thankfully. And, you know, including my mother, of course. And I know 10 years ago, if I had to think of this, it wouldn't be possible. Like I would have to stop all my activities and there would be nobody because I didn't see another pregnant woman uh, you know, exercising and all of that. Today, I see it at least around me, right? And we have trainers who who are training people who are pregnant and things like that. But 10 years ago, it was it was honestly very different. And, you know, if I had someone telling me that, Shwe, you can do all your dancing, everything else, you can go teach, you can do everything. I would have probably thought of it back then, honestly. But yeah, it was it was, it was difficult. But today, if you come to me, then I will tell you. Yes, you can do both. As soon as that's even remotely on the cards, I'll be sure to reach out to you for, for advice on that. Yes. But, you know, I just, I guess to wrap things up, I just want to say again that you have been such a source of inspiration. I want to say thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Um, it's so relevant and so important in India to spread this message of fitness and wellness and to, you know, make that transition from it uh, from from it being a luxury good to being something that is accessible for everyone and like you said a priority not just a luxury I think we should say thank you for even starting this forum you know it's amazing because you are going to get to hear so many different stories of so many you know different people and I think it's just going to be so inspiring for you to be able to also incorporate in your life right it's you, you don't need it because, you know, you're already out there inspiring a lot of people. But I think the, the forum itself is amazing for a lot of women as well, because you're going to put them out there, you know, you know, let 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 people who are listening to this hear the struggles hear you know, what what one is capable of. I think most importantly, it's that right. It's really mind over matter with everything. So thanks for starting out this forum. It's amazing. So it's really my privilege to just come here and chat with you. If you'd like to hear more stories of inspiring women in sport, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite audio provider. If you like us, subscribe, share us on social media, and give us a review. I'm Kasi Malik, and thanks for listening.